0: It's always a pleasure to talk with Teresa Haley from the NAACP, the Illinois chapter president, but also the leader of the Springfield branch. Here on the WMAY Morning News feed, Teresa, thanks for taking time with us this morning at seven eleven on WMAY. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good to hear. Um, sunshine's coming up. I absolutely love it. I wish I was outside again. But I'm stuck inside. Uh, but we got a lot to get to. Uh, so, again, I, think, I appreciate you taking time with us this morning. Um, last week, I was unable uh, to, well, I was on vacation, uh, but uh, you guys had a, a, a meeting uh, and a, a forum of sorts to talk about a recent measure that passed the State House and was signed by the governor. Uh, that's House Bill 3653. Uh, pretty sweeping measure. Dealt with uh, criminal justice reform issues, also dealt with uh, various restrictions on police and regulations on police. Uh, So tell me about the meeting, uh, who was involved in this and some of the things that were talked about.
1: Well, the meeting was very successful. We wanted to bring the community and law enforcement together to really break down the myths and barriers surrounding um, criminal justice reform bill, House Bill 3653. And we accomplished our goal. We had the sheriff there, Jack Campbell, showed up. Our police chief, Kenny Winslow, was here. We had a couple of police chiefs to drive down from Chicago Senator LG Sims and Senator McClure, um, Alderman Sean Gregory, and a couple other people actually participated in the discussion. The mayor was there to bring greetings and ask, answer any questions that he could as well. So we considered it to be a very successful night. We were able to break down those barriers and those stereotypes amongst ourselves, you know, those who served as panelists as well. For example, jack campbell and and senator lg sims was able to have a conversation afterwards and say hey I, I didn't realize um all of the details the ins and outs of the bill i'm willing to go back and examine it a little closer so there were a lot of misnomers a lot of miscommunication about the bill that was cleared
0: up that night and i think we should see more of these type of things <laughs> Right. I mean, uh, honestly, uh, having that type of civil dialogue uh, with with all voices at the table, uh, it uh, it can only foster a better understanding amongst everybody Uh, and wade through some of those, as you uh, you said, some of the mischaracterizations or uh, the misunderstandings about measures or even on the other side, maybe uh, highlighting how well. This is too loose of language, and this is something that uh, you know it needs to be refined more through legislation, and even the governors acknowledge that much. Uh, so what are some of the main things you think uh, people took away as, as kind of clarifying, at least from a law enforcement perspective, and even uh, those uh, who, who support the measure?
1: For example, cash bill doesn't mean that you can go out here and rob and murder someone and bond yourself out. It does not mean that we're going to keep those criminals behind bars as much as we can. Um, In terms of body cameras, we're wanting everyone to wear body cameras. If you're carrying a gun, you should have a body camera. However, I personally disagreed with the part that says our police chief, while sitting in his office for six, seven hours, should have his body camera on while doing administrative duties. If, If our chief is sitting at his desk, he does not need to have his body camera on But as soon as he goes out and responds to an emergency, just like detectives, they need to ensure that they're wearing their body cameras. So there was a lot of discussion and really breaking down the myths and stereotypes of who should wear a camera, when that camera should be turned on. But if you're riding in your squad car and you're responding to an emergency, you need to have your body camera on if you have your gun on you at that particular time. In terms of qualified immunity, it's something that the NAACP is is pushing for. It's part of that police reform bill. We didn't want to get rid of our police. We just needed to reform some of the things that was happening, not only in Illinois, but nationwide. So right now, the George Floyd um, trial is going on, and you have a few bad cops. We have a few bad family members. So when you have a few bad seeds, you need to deal with those seeds and say that, They can no longer work in Springfield and then go over to Decatur, Champaign or somewhere else or even to another state. So if we put more measures in place to keep out or weed out the bad officers, all of us will be more safer.
0: We're talking with Teresa Haley, the NAACP Illinois State Conference president here on the WMAY morning news feed. Uh, so, gosh, I wish I would have uh, attended that because I, I love I love well-rounded conversations. Right. And being able to hear uh, all those sides. It was over two
1: hours. Oh, it man. was over two hours. That's you great. can go back and watch it on my Facebook page. Oh, OK. Bill well, Branch NAACP Facebook page, and you can watch it.
0: Fantastic. So it is archived. I will uh, I will definitely go take that up. Um, A couple of other things, if you if you don't mind, Teresa, uh, while I got you here, um, you know, we've seen, of course, COVID-19 dominating our lives. Uh, The vaccine, multiple vaccines are available and they're even increasing the availability for people over 18, uh, even here in Sangamon County, HSHS uh, offering up that opportunity. Um, there's still some hesitation with some individuals. This is not a fully authorized vaccine, um, uh, offering the three vaccines still not fully authorized by the FDA. They're only emergency use authorization. Uh, but we've now seen a progression of sorts in a state like New York and even, uh, the white house reportedly talking about putting out guidelines for a vaccine passport. Um, where, where, should we, as those concerned of civil liberties, civil rights, uh, where should we draw that line when it comes to this this balance between public health and individual civil rights?
1: Well, I see it kind of like religion and state. We have to separate the two. There are people who can't get the vaccine for various reasons. Right now, I'm one of those persons who suffers from asthma, allergies, who carry an EpiPen. And those people who carried an EpiPen, they were pretty much against it. So I have four out of five doctors that I'm working with, and four out of the five say, no, not at this point. They're still waiting for a little more data. I'm not afraid to get the shot. I just don't want to have the adverse effect from getting the shot. You know, when I get the flu shot, I have to use my EpiPen. So that's something that people need to take into consideration. There are other people with even more health problems than I do, and they're saying that we should get the shot. Um, But if there are some underlying contributing factors and negative reactions to the shot, then we still have to be careful. Um, There are some people who can't get the shot or won't get the shot for religious reasons. So I think getting the shot should be a personal choice. And in terms of the passport, if you're traveling and traveling internationally, and let's say you go out of country and you get COVID and they don't let you back in the country, then that's the risk that you take. Um, Right now, the numbers are starting to go back up throughout the country. So we just want people to be safe. We want people to be able to enjoy time with their families and friends. As most of you know, my dad died of COVID in the last week of um, December, so we're still struggling with that. But, you know, if the shot's going to save lives, however, I do have a niece 40 years old, got the first shot, two weeks later, ended up getting pneumonia in the hospital for a week with pneumonia, and then tested positive for COVID. So now she can't return back to work for three months because of the damage it caused to her lungs. Not saying it was from the shot, but did the shot really prevent her from getting COVID? So in our family, you know, we're kind of going back and forth and saying, eh, you know, so it's an individual choice if people want to get the shot or
0: not. Well, and, and with that individual choice, you know, hey, I, I could I could imagine there may be people who do choose to go get the shot, uh, looking at uh, you know weighing the cost and the benefit and talking with their doctors, but they don't want to have to show. Their papers, right? I mean, just, just to take right. part it in normal be, society. It right. uh, it, it's one thing to get on a plane to go to, like, for instance, Iceland, right? I mean, Iceland saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, if you got the vaccine, come on over, Americans. We want you to give us your tourism dollars," right? Um, but uh, when it when it comes to being able to go to Uh, You know, Walmart, or when it comes to going into a bank or another place where there might be a crowd, uh, part of normal Mm -hmm. society, uh, should that be something people people are required to do, even if it's kind of a, a soft mandate of sorts?
1: No, I think that's an invasion of privacy. I think that's a civil rights violation.
0: Teresa Haley uh, with the NAACP with us here on the WMAY morning news feed. Uh, One last thing also, and I I wasn't familiar with some of the inner workings here, and we had talked about uh, one issue uh, concerning uh, city government. Uh, months ago, gosh I think like a year ago. Uh, it deals with a facility uh, that you're connected with uh, getting some some dollars from the city through federal uh, funds uh, and uh, the Illinois Times recently reporting that there seems to be a connection with that and uh, the recent uh, uh, firing or dismissal of Yazel as the city's economic development director. Uh, what's going on here?
1: I really don't know. I don't know if that was the reason. It may be a contributing factor, but I think that's a personnel issue that the city personally needs to deal with. I felt like the NAACP's name was dragged through the mud when we went down and asked for $150,000 to kind of help us renovate our building, and we were denied by city council after being approved by the Economic Development um, Committee. Um, So we're going to go back again and ask for those funds. I'm grateful to the mayor. I mean, we had to go out and purchase a roof for our building by ourselves because it was raining inside of our building. We were also afraid after being turned down for the $150,000 by city council that our pipes would freeze as we were going into the um, winter months. So we asked for the funds initially before city council in October and was denied we went back and had conversations with the mayor after finding out that the mayor could release emergency funds up to forty-five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to entities that needed the money. So we went and asked the mayor for the money um, late November, early December, and he approved of the money. Unfortunately, we didn't get the money until March. You know, here we are getting ready to go into April, and we were contacted by Illinois Times saying, hey, congratulations, we heard you got the funds. So, apparently, other people were spreading rumors or misinformation about us receiving dollars before we actually even received the dollars. So, we did everything in decency and order. We went out and got not only three bids, but we got four bids for the work that needed to be done. We did not want our pipes to freeze. We're still looking for donations, so anybody listening, we need new lighting in that building. We have the old fluorescent lights, and we can't find replacement bulbs. We need new carpet in that building. The carpet is terrible, but we are doing what we need to do um, to make it the best building possible. Come by and visit us sometime. It's a great location. The east side of Springfield is blight, and we're doing our part to make it better.
0: Well, and talk a bit about the, uh, the educational opportunity that's there as well.
1: So we have our back-to-school, stay-in-school program that's been in existence for over 25 years. Currently, we have 27 students on the roll. I believe seven or eight students come to the building between Monday and Wednesday for classes. Um, We have expected eight students up for graduation this year. So we are continuing to serve our community. We serve the most at-risk children. Our students are kids who are traditionally kicked out of public schools for various reasons. I mean, we have kids in our program who've been murder charges. Burglary charges, sexual offense charges, um, just, you know, just being young people. And we want to save this population. And the NAACP has been able to do it. We have professional, Our teachers are licensed. Uh, we have retired administrators, such as Mr. Albert Betts, still working with the program, and Tim Allen, who's the basketball coach over at Sacred Heart Griffin. We have a wonderful staff. We love on our kids. We love on our community. And we want to make the east side and Springfield the best Springfield we can possibly have.
0: Well, we uh, all can agree one of the best ways to um, steer people in the right direction instead of uh, focusing on a life of crime uh, to get educated. Uh, so that's uh, that's one of the, the main things that, uh, that really drives people uh, to, to be a good, productive member of society. Uh, Teresa Haley, NAACP Illinois Conference President. Greatly appreciate you taking the time, as always. And we'll talk again soon, all right?
1: Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.